Now we're going to look in, come on, has anybody got their Bible with them? I hope. We're going to look in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number five. Of this talk today about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, you know the amazing thing in the Bible, if you watch real careful when you read God's Word, you're going to see little telltale phrases. For example, Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And in Acts 2 and 38, he says, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? By the way, the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's referring to is when you're saved, God's Spirit moves within you. Did you know that? And the Bible says, what? No, you're not. Your body's the temple of who? The Holy Spirit. So when you get saved, God's Spirit moves within us. Have you received the gift of the Spirit? Now, if you're here this morning and you say, I'm a Christian, I know Christ is my Savior, my sins are forgiven, I'm on my way to the heaven, you could say, yes, I've received the gift of the Holy Spirit because now God's Spirit lives within you, all right? Now, today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And notice it's not the fruits, it's the fruit, singular. And I could ask you the same question. Are you showing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Now, you can have the gift of the Spirit, be saved, have God's Holy Spirit living within you, and not necessarily be showing the fruit of the Spirit. Because today we're going to talk about character. Today we're going to talk about the things that the God's Spirit produces inside the Christian when a Christian's walking in the Spirit, okay? So we're going to show you the lifestyle of a believer who's received the gift of the Spirit but now begins to live the fruit of the Spirit. Have I totally lost you already? All right, I, I wasn't trying to, but I do think that I need to teach you some things, okay? Now, you're looking in Galatians chapter 5. You got your Bibles ready to go. If you're able to stand, we're going to stand in honor of God's word. We're going to read this passage together. And I want you to help me in verse number 22, 23, and 24. Okay? Now, I'm going to do a little more reading than that, but you join me when we get to those verses. Will you do that? All right, let's listen to see what the God's word has to say. It says... And we're going to look about verse 16. And I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. You cannot do the things that you would. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Can I kind of rephrase that? If you're led by the Spirit, you're not keeping the rules. Some of you think that I'm going to talk to you today about rule keeping. And he basically says, you don't get this from keeping the law. What we're going to talk today isn't something that's produced by, by being Avis and trying harder. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about because you're young. But you older ones know what I'm talking about. This isn't something you get by keeping the law, by keeping the rules. Okay? He goes on. He says... And now the works of the flesh are, are revealed. They're manifest. He said, this is what they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, revelings, and such 
of like of which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things, they that practice such things, do not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, now you're ready to read, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Let me read now. And if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Thank you. Be seated. I heard of a traveling evangelist one time who liked to do these illustrated sermons. I mean, he liked to kind of act them out and have props and do things when he preached that really kept people's attention. And so he was asked to speak at a church, and so he got a, a young man in the church, a small boy that he hired to hide up in the rafters. And he had a dove in a cage. And towards the end of a sermon, the preacher would shout for the Holy Spirit to come down. And just at the right time, that little boy's job was to open the cage, shoo the bird, the dove, out of the, out of the cage. And the dove would descend into the audience. Well, this particular revival meeting, this little guy was up in the rafters. And the preacher said, and, and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven. Nothing. I mean, nothing. So he said it again. And the Holy Spirit descended from heaven. Nothing. And so the third time, and the whole, and the little voice from the ceiling rafter said, A black cat ate the dove. Would you like me to throw the cat down? Boy, that wouldn't mess your sermon up, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, we're going to look today at the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to spend some time because, you know, a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it seems like people like the sensational things. And they like to, oh, we like to watch TV sometimes and see some of these TV evangelists who do some incredible things on television. And, and when we associate things with uh, the Holy Spirit, we, we, we think about healings and miracles and all these incredible sign gifts. And yet, it seems interesting to me, all that stuff that kind of grabs the headlines isn't what the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is. In fact, what we're talking about today, we're going to talk about the kind of people that God wants us to be and how God wants to change our character. It's not, I don't think, how high can you jump? But I think it's how straight do you walk when you hit the ground? Amen. Now, we're going to make a real simple sermon today. I'm going to talk about the reality of the struggle we face. I'm going to talk a little bit about the works of the flesh. Then I'm going to deal with the fruit of the Spirit, and then I'm going to talk about what's the secret of the success here. How do you do this? So that's kind of where I'm going. So you ready to go? Let's get into it, all right? 
Let's talk about the reality of the struggle. Verses 16 and 17, I read just a moment ago. It says, if we walk in the spirit, notice, you will not complete or bring to fruition the works, notice this, the lust of the flesh. He says, notice verse 17, the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary. They're contrary to one to another. Now, you know, if you're like me this morning, I'm sure there's been at least once or twice in your spiritual existence where you were just absolutely befuddled with your spiritual life. Lord, why can't I seem to do better than what I'm doing? How many have ever thought, well, you know, Lord, it seems like I'd be a little further along by now. It seems like I wouldn't have to deal with this again and again. I, I think I should move beyond this spot in my life. And you know, one of the things I found out as a semi-new Christian was there are enemies that we face as a Christian. For example, I believe that when you get saved, you face an infernal enemy. His name's the devil. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks about as a roaring lion. Notice that, seeking whom he may devour. I remember what Peter was told by Jesus just a few days before Jesus died. He said, Satan has desired you to sift you like wheat. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the fact that Satan wants to get us? We have an infernal enemy. Listen to me. We have an external enemy. You say, Pastor, what's that external enemy? Well, it's the world. Uh, now, I'm not talking about, oh, don't get off the environment and all that. I'm talking about a world system. I'm talking about a philosophy. The Greek word is the word cosmos. There's a philosophy of the world. There's a, there's a way that the world operates. Yes or no? Get all you can, can all you get, and kill all the rest. Come on, is that the way the world thinks? I'm going to get ahead if I have to stomp your fingers all the way up the ladder. Come on, is that the way the world looks at things? Absolutely. There's a world's philosophy out there. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if you have the love of the world and you don't have the love of the Father in you. So we have an we infernal enemy. His name is the devil. We have an external enemy. That's called the world. But listen to me. This is the one I have the most trouble with. I have an internal enemy. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, Galatians chapter 5, we read just a moment ago, verse 16 says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, some of you think about uh, flesh and immediately what you're thinking about is this stuff right here. And some of us have more flesh than others. I went Thursday and got a shot at the doctor and he said, we're going to give it to you in the hip. And then the little nurse came in. I said, I pulled my pants down just a little bit. I said, there's plenty to work with. 
plenty to work with. You can shoot in the dark and you'll hit it, I promise you. Now, I'm not talking about, <laughs> I hate to be ugly, how big your backside is. When I talk about the flesh, I'm talking about that part of us. Well, let me illustrate. NPR had a popular radio show called The American Life Reality, and they had some interesting things. They had an episode called The Devil Inside Me. They asked a bunch of people if they ever felt like they were under the spell of an inner voice that sort of kind of held them in bondage to unwanted thoughts. And the host of the show said, it was like people had been waiting all their lives for somebody to ask them that question. One guy was interviewed, he said, I certainly know the voice you're talking about. Another man said, the voice is irresistible always. A woman said, totally out of control. It's got, my, it's got a life of its own. I can't even tame it anymore. Another woman said, I actually have a name for that voice. I call it Stan. Stan is the guy that tells me to take that extra glass of wine. Stan's the guy that tells me to smoke. And at the end of the show, the host asked somebody, do you feel like the voice is winning? And the woman said, right now, I'm in serious trouble. I do. By the way, we've all faced that voice. We've all faced that something inside of us that seems to gravitate to what we shouldn't be a part of. The Bible says if you live in the spirit, you don't gratify the desires, the longings, notice of the flesh. It's that voice in our head that forces us to do wrong. The Bible calls it the flesh. Some translations of the Bible call it the sinful nature. But when you think about that word flesh, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. You know, I never went to sin in school. I found out I could do it on my own. Come on, you can smile at that because you didn't go either and you're doing a pretty good job too. We're all having a problem with that, aren't we? I never had to go to cussing school, but it came pretty quick. I never had to go to stealing school, but I tried it a couple of times. Some of you say, well, I would have never voted for you as our pastor, that's for sure. <laughs> By the way, I would have never voted for you as a member of the church either. <laughs> Touche. But Jesus goes on to say, not only what is born of the flesh is flesh, but he said, but what is born of the spirit is what? Spirit. spirit. You know, one of the hardest things in the whole world is the fact that when I got saved, God's spirit began to live within me, but he lives inside of that container called the flesh. And because you got that good and that bad, there's always seems like there's a conflict that's going on. There's always a struggle between the two. And some of us today know very well that that conflict is real. Look, if you would, at verse number 17, the Bible says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary. They're in opposition one to another. You see, all of us have that flesh inside of us that kind of pulls us to the wrong thing. 
And sometimes those wrong things are, are physical sins. Sometimes, as the Bible lists here, maybe it's pulling us towards adultery or fornication or uncleanliness of the works of the flesh. You see, the Bible says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh. There's a battle for control. Every Christian listening to the sound of my voice this morning, there is a battle that goes on in you every day for who it is that's going to control you. We all have a conflict. There's a reality of that. Some of you thought, man, I'm going to get saved and it's going to be so much easier. <laughs> Wrong. You're going to find out you get saved and sometimes your troubles really start. Holy Spirit lives within us and there's a battle for control. We see something that appeals to us and we gravitate to it and it feeds our flesh. And there's a battle that begins to emerge. Maybe, maybe some of us, I don't, I'm sure you don't ever have this problem, but you know, my idea of heaven is eating 24-7. I, I don't get to eat hardly anything that I really like anymore. And I think when I get to heaven, there's no diabetes when you get to heaven. So when I get there, I'm fixing this. It's going to be the, <laughs> the, the marriage supper of the lamp. It's going to be good. <laughs> but you know, I don't think there's a thing wrong with eating. I do think there's wrong things you can eat. I think there's things that you need to go really light on. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? And there's, a, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating, but there is something wrong with binge eating. I don't think there's a, anything wrong with about six or eight M&Ms with, with, with peanuts. A whole three-pound bag, that'll get you in trouble. There's a conflict. How many understand what I'm trying to teach right now? There's a struggle. But notice what the Bible says that struggle can turn into. Look at verse number 19. He's going to talk about the works of the flesh. He says, now the works of the flesh are revealed. They're made manifest. He said, it's adultery, it's fornication, it's uncleanliness and lasciviousness. He's going to talk about sexuality. Do you know some of the, some of the sins of the flesh are sexual sins? Adultery is pretty simple. That's Pretty self-explanatory, I hope. That's illicit sex between somebody that's married with somebody they're not married to, right? Fornication, probably, uh, we could say that fornication is illicit sex between two people that aren't married. Uncleanliness, that's an interesting word. That's a word we get our word pornea, pornography. Boy, we got a whole society that's eat up with pornography. Yes or no? I read something the other day, blew my mind. I would have never thought. They said that uh, like 35% of women now are looking at pornography sites. Women. I would have never thought that. I think our society is going that direction, don't you? He, he says sexual sins. Notice he talks about spiritual sins. Look at verse number 20. He goes on, idolatry. 
He talks about witchcraft, hatred, variance, idolatry. Uh, that's when we, instead of worshiping God and loving people and using things, that's when we use people and we love self and we worship things other than God. He talks about idolatry. Witchcraft, it comes, interesting word. It's the word that we get our word pharmacia. Pharmacy. Do we have a drug problem in Middle Tennessee, yes or no? Do we have an opioid crisis in Middle Tennessee, yes or no? Are we there? He talks about spiritual things. When you're driven by the flesh, you find yourself putting things other than God in the place of worship. And something that might be good makes a terrible God. listening. Then he's going to talk about social things. Look at, look at the last part of verse number 20. He's going to talk about strife, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. All of these things. Uh, let, me, let me make it Phil Martin amplified. Road rage. I saw a deal on the internet the other day about a guy that was 70 years old and the guy tried to run him over with his car and he grabbed the hood and he was driving on the freeway 70 miles an hour with this 70-year-old man holding on for dear life. And finally somebody pulled the guy over, put a gun on him and let the old man get off the hood. Man, we're living in this time period the works of the flesh are being revealed. He talks about social sins, hatred, enmity, variance, which leads to strife. That's the outworking of enmity. Emulations are jealousies and, and rivalries. How tragic when this begins to happen in a church. How tragic when it begins to happen in a country. And by the way, if that doesn't sound like the U.S. Congress to you, I don't know what planet you're on. Amen. Amen. We can't figure out anything to get along with. He says there's seditions, there's heresies. First suggests divisions. The second is cliques that are caused by a party spirit. And, and he, he basically says these are things that happen. Now look at, look at verse 21. Look at verse 21. He says, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. By the way, now we're talking about slavery. Listen to me. Now we're talking about addictions. Now we're talking about people that are doing rehab. Are you listening? Because they've got into things that they can't get out of. Now their life is turned over to that and they can't even help themselves. Now they're living on the, the shady side of town because, hey, their life is so screwed up, that's the best they can do. By the way, you ever meet anybody that's been in rehab? Uh, you may notice some looking at the floor because there's some in this room that have been. It happens to Christians too. Billy Joel used to sing, Darling, I don't know why I go to extremes. 
I know Billy. The Bible says that's what happens when the works of the flesh are revealed and made manifest. When you look at the problems in your life, when you begin to look at what's wrong, who do you normally blame? Can I ask it a different way? Who's normally the last one you blame? I have met the enemy, and the enemy is me. Come on, smile at me. We've all been there. Well, I'm glad the sermon don't end there, because that's kind of a downer, ain't it? Come on, aren't you glad the sermon don't end there? Let's see what else he has to say. Let's Let's see what he says. He says, but in contrast to... Verse number 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice the fruit of the Spirit. Now stay with me just for a second. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. Uh, I'll just make this statement. There's nobody I can show you in the Bible that does the fruit of the Spirit better than Jesus Christ. This is a perfect example of Jesus and how he lived. Would you agree with that? Come on, you can agree with that. That's a true statement, all right? But when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, let me just say this. It means... It means probably, this is what I think it means. It could mean two things. I'll give you both of them, and then I'll tell you the one that I think, all right? The one that I think is this one, all right? I believe the fruit of the Spirit is love, and I believe that's something that all the rest of these fruit come from. It starts with God's love. You say, where does God's love come from? Look at Romans chapter 5. Now, look in your Bible. Go ahead. If you haven't looked in Romans 5, look in Romans chapter 5. Look at verse number 5. Okay, look at Romans 5. I want to show you, when you got saved, let me show you what happened in your life. Romans chapter 5, look down to verse number 5. The Bible says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is what? Shed abroad in our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit. Have you received the gift of the Spirit? If you're saved, you can say what? Yes. All right. The moment you were saved, the Spirit of God comes within you. And at that point in time, God takes the love of God and he sheds it abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. All right? That's a statement made in Scripture. You can't get around it. That's what the Bible says. So I have God's love. By the way, that word love there is that word agape love. That's that love that looks out for the best interests of someone else. Okay? God shed that love abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost moved within me, he brought that love in my heart. And part of that love, now, how many have ever seen those pirate telescopes where you, you guy goes, okay, it starts with love, joy, peace, and it keeps going all the way out. Or some people say, well, it's like a cluster of fruit, all on the same deal here. And you got love, joy, peace, and all like, ah, I, I think God does this, all this stuff works out of love. And that love comes to you by the Holy Ghost the moment that you're saved. So the Bible says that God's love is shed abroad in our hearts and the scripture makes it very clear that we have this fruit, this love in our lives. Now, let me, kind of, let me kind of work through these real quick. First of all, when you look at this, 
I think it's an outgrowth of love. And once you have that love in your life, when a person lives in the sphere of love, they begin to experience joy. And that's that inward peace. That's that sufficiency that isn't bound to your circumstances. And I think a good way of saying joy is holy optimism. God gives us this holy optimism that just kind of begins to be released in our life. We see life differently. And notice then we have love and joy, and it produces peace. We have this peace that passes all understanding. And all of this kind of expresses this Godward aspect that I have in my life now because God's Spirit lives within me. But not only do I have a Godward aspect, I have a manward aspect. When we again begin to talk about what, how I begin to get along with others, look at the way the Bible reads this. Now we're in chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. Look down at verse number 19. I have love, joy, peace. How do I begin to treat people? Long suffering. Can I give you the Phil Martin Amplified? Long fused. How many of you have ever lived with anybody that's short-fused? Nobody wants to raise their hand right now. <laughs> this morning, my wife and I were talking. I have a sinus infection, and I'm really, I don't feel good. And I just don't. I mean, I, I'm not crying. I'm not whining. It's just the way life is, and that's what happens, Okay. But when I don't feel good, I have a tendency <laughs> to be short. And I'm always kind of a bottom line kind of a guy. I don't care what, you can describe it until hell freezes over. I want to know how much it's going to cost me. Let's, let's, find, let's get to important stuff. I don't care it's blue. I don't care it has red polka dots. I don't care it has furry, little furry things on it. I want to know how much did you spend? <laughs> so uh, we had a, an experience this week. Our washing machine, after 22 or three years, went out. We had to buy a washing machine. By the way, those washing machines, they talk now. You can get on Wi-Fi with your washer machine. That's for people that really have no life. I'm going to be real honest with you. But I asked my wife, I said, how's the washing machine? And unfortunately, I asked. And she said, you can do this. I said, time out. Reader's condensed version, Reader's Digest condensed version. How to do with the clothes. That's really all I cared about. I mean, she was telling me, you can pour detergent in there, and it just uses it when it uses it, and it knows exactly how much water to put in. It's got all these cool gadgets. And my long-sufferingness went... <laughs> And all you guys are enjoying my calamity, aren't you? And you're laughing at me. Before the day's up, you'll get yours. 
Your wife will put you through the paces and we'll see how well you do. Long suffering. Come on, we already failed, didn't we? Yeah. It, well, yeah, that ain't going to work. See you later. <laughs> he says, long suffering, gentleness, goodness. Wouldn't it be incredible to have somebody treat you like that? Wouldn't it be incredible if they were married to you? You know, some of you, I could make you laugh <laughs> if I had a million dollars. He talks about that man word. Look at that self word area. He talks about faith or faithfulness, dependability, meekness. That's the right use of power and authority, power under control. And then he says temperance, that's self-control. He says, man, when you really get saved, God really moves within you and the fruit of the Spirit's really being developed in your character. People notice. Isn't that something? Many years ago, Adoniram Judson was home on a furlough. He was the first missionary sent out from America in 1801. Adoniram Judson went to Burma. He came back to Stonington, Connecticut, and a young boy was playing along the wharfs of the time of Judson's arrival. And when Judson got off the ship, he'd come all the way from Burma, Rangoon, Burma. He was struck by his appearance. Never before had he seen such a light on a human face. And he ran up the street to the minister to ask if he knew this stranger was. And the minister hurried back with him because he was so absorbed in the conversation with Judson that he forgot all about this impatient youngster standing near him. And many years after, that boy could never get away from that influence of that wonderful face, of that famous preacher. Judson was a man that allowed the Holy Spirit to promote in his life what reflected Jesus Christ and what that boy saw was Jesus. Amen. By the way, when we start living the fruit of the Spirit, I promise you, people will see Jesus in us. Amen. Now, you say, Pastor, what's the secret? How do you do this? Man, you've already lost me. You lost me at long-tempered. How do you pull this off? Well, let me remind you that it's not by keeping the law. There's some of you think the Christian life is just keeping rules. And let me be really honest with you, that doesn't do it. Some of us grew up in homes, we grew up in churches that was all about keeping rules. And the problem is, I won't, I won't, I won't. Oh, by the way, Lord, it's me again. I did. You ever been there? Amen. Sure, yeah. So how do you do it? Well, look at verse 24. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. 
first of all, what I'm going to talk to you about, I'm, I'm, I'm closing, I'm, I'm real close, okay? What I'm talking about, you have to belong to Jesus Christ. You can't produce the fruit of the Spirit unless God's Spirit is living within you. You have to be His. That's why verse 24 says, they that are Christ. That's the question you got to ask yourself. Am I His? Is Jesus Christ mine? They that are Christ. So you have to belong to Jesus Christ. But notice the Bible goes on and says, they crucify the flesh with its passions and its desires. Our life is bound up with the life of Christ. And when he was crucified, part of us was crucified with him. Part of us that got crucified, listen to me, is the flesh. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. <laughs> Maybe I'm stretching this. I don't think I am. But when Jesus got crucified on the cross, it took him a while to get crucified. How many would agree with that? They didn't just nail him on the cross and boom, he died. It took a while. Sometimes it took three and four, sometimes a week. And by the way, I've been in process. Are you listening right now? I've been crucifying the flesh for a long time. And it dies a slow, agonizing death. I don't know about you, but my flesh is being crucified. My flesh was crucified, but every once in a while, there's signs of life. I can give you one on the way home. I can go down 65. Some idiot cut me off. I said, you stinking, God bless you, son. Come on, smile at me. That happens, doesn't it? Because that conflict's in there, and that one voice says, don't you dare say that. And the other conflict, that other voice says, go ahead, it feels good. You remember those people in that NPR interview? One said, I can't resist the voice. It's too powerful. It's, it's, it's not too powerful. If you start to look at the flesh, you're going to be defeated. If you start to look at the flesh today, if you're driving along on the freeway and, and somebody cuts you off, you may want to tell them you're number one. Very symbolic kind of a gesture. But I promise you this. There's something inside of you going to say, boy, am I disappointed in you. I can't believe you just acted that way. I can't believe you're representing Jesus Christ like that. So the next time you sent yourself being pulled by the flesh, if you're Phil Martin, to eat too much or eat something you're not supposed to eat or drink too much or be sexually stupid, Stop and think about it, folks. That part of me has been crucified. I need to let him die. How do you stop following the flesh? How do you get past that? Let me show you what it says. Look at verse number 
24, it says, if they that are Christ are crucified with the flesh, with the afflictions and the lust, if we live in the spirit, let us also, look at what it says, walk in the spirit. Now stay with me. You say, Pastor, what is walking in the spirit? Stay with me. Some of you are looking for an experience where you, you can jump pews. No, walking in the spirit is one step at a time. 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 Some of you are looking for the panacea that you're going to be just changed and everything. You're never going to have a problem again. God says, no, no, no. You just walk in the spirit. You just take it one day at a time, one step at a time. And you completely say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm not going to do that because I'm yours. Lord, I'm going to take this step. Lord, I'm not going to say that today because I'm yours. And Lord, this thought right here, I'm going to take that thought into captivity because I'm taking one step at a time. I'm walking in the spirit. Come on, you listening to me? You said, Pastor, I'd rather have some kind of freaky thing that I could do. Now, the Bible says the only way you don't walk in the flesh is to walk in the spirit. Amen. It says it twice in this passage. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you walking in the spirit? You know, walking's pretty ordinary, isn't it? I got a one-year-old grandson. He is in, he's in the walking mode now. And he won't walk as long as you'll carry him. And because he's got a mama and a mimi, he don't have to walk a lot. But that little sucker can walk. You say, Pastor, how do you look when you start walking in the spirit? <laughs> By the way, he doesn't say run in the spirit. He doesn't say skip in the spirit. He doesn't even say jump in the spirit. He says, just start walking. And you may have to get your sea legs. You blessed, oh, I can't say that. Oh, I can't think that. Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but you just begin to walk. And the amazing thing is you stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh and you start walking in the spirit. Amen. You with me? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us.